0: If you're not good, then don't. Well, if you're not good and you put one in, don't say you're from your life, say you're from somewhere else. Okay. <laughs> I'm reading from Exodus chapter 19, verse 19 verses, I'm reading from New Living Translation. Exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. When Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God, the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried your eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on the earth. For all the air belongs to me and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. This is a message you must give to the people of Israel. So Moses returned from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded them. And all the people responded together, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you, then they will always trust you. Moses told the Lord what the people had said. Then the Lord told Moses, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. Be sure they're ready on the third day. From that day, the Lord will come down Mount Sinai as all the people watch. Mark off a boundary all around the mountain. Warn the people, be careful. Do not go up on the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. No hand may touch a person or animal that crosses the boundary. Instead, stone them or shoot them with arrows. They must be put to death however when the horn sounds a long blast then the people may go up on the mountain so moses went down to the people he consecrated them for worship they washed his clothes he told them get ready for the third day until then abstain from having sexual intercourse and in the morning of the third day thunder roared and lightning flashed and a dense cloud came down on them. mountains there was a long loud blast from the horn, and all the people trembled moses led them out from the camp to meet with god and they stood at the foot of the mountain all of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed in the sky like smoke from a brick kiln and the whole mountain shook violently. The blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder. Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. We'll stop there. You never thought you would come to church and hear a, a preacher on sexual intercourse on the third day. That's not where we're going today, I can assure you. Really? I <laughs> so hear some saying we're glad we're on the third day, not the first and second day, but we're not going to get go there. We're we'll continuing the theme of living on the third day. Moses, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, great. His connection with God is incredible. If you read the Bible, Moses had an incredible encounter with God, an incredible relationship with God, probably unique and as close as anyone. In fact, when Moses died, eh, God buried him on top of Mount Nebo. That's incredible. Imagine God it saves a lot in funeral expenses but God buried you but God buried him uh, because he, he messed up once and he didn't get into the promised land but God graciously showed him from the top of the mountain and as Martin Luther King once said like Moses of old I might not get there with you but I have seen the promised land I've been to the top of the mountain I've seen the promised land Moses had an incredible connection with his God there and here there's three things in this passages God is connecting with Moses and things we can learn from today. First of all, uh, God comes and speaks to Moses and says, first of all, I want to remind you of your experience of me, or your or experience of God in your life. Two months after they'd left Egypt, they were kicking about this place here, and God st- starts talking and communicating with Moses, as a message I wanted you to convey to the people of God here, and we can learn from it today as well. It says, first of all, I want to remind you of your experience of me, the things I did for you. I delivered you. I rescued you. Look what I've done to Egypt and the Egyptians. I rescued you. I delivered you from your bondage, from your uh, slavery, from your oppression. When you were in Egypt, I delivered you from that. And then they came running after you to try and take you back. We've heard about sometimes we get free, but then we give back. I've heard that as a word from God, and what happened, Egypt, they come out of Egypt, and then uh, Egypt started chasing after them again, and Israel got worried, but then God, and the, through the Red Sea, destroyed them for good, so to speak, he says, I want to remind you of your experience of me, Moses, I delivered you, I rescued you, I set you free from your bondages, and from all that was failing you, and when the enemy came after you, I dealt with them." I have dealt with them. I brought you out of Egypt. And for us, in many ways, Egypt represents the world and we're past and where God has, brought, God has brought us from. And it's good sometimes just to remind yourselves what God has done, how he's rescued us, how he's delivered us, how he's set us free. You see, but not only did I rescue you, it's also I carried you on eagle's wings when you were incapable of lifting yourself up out of where you were, when you were incapable, when you were so weak and so bound by addictions or if you like, or habits or helplessness or hopelessness or fears or problems, when you were so weak to to even carry yourself. Do you know what I did? I came along and I lifted you and I picked you up. The psalmist says to his God, I will exalt you for you lifted me out of the depths And we recognize that God has lifted us. He's picked us up. He's taken us from where we were. And when we couldn't do ourselves, he came along, he reached down, he picked us up, and he took us and delivered us and freed us. And God is still in the carrying business. We know, and we quote so often, Isaiah 40, 31, those who wait for the Lord's help will find renewed strength. They will rise up as if they had eagle's wings. They will rise on eagle's wings. He carried us. This is a promise from God, and He gave to His people in Isaiah 46 and 4. I will be your God throughout your lifetime, even until your hair goes white and beyond. I made you. I will care for you, and I will carry you along and save you. When I got you, you see, you couldn't do it. I rescued you. I dealt with who was your enemy. I dealt with your enemy once and for all, and even from then, I've carried you, and I am continuing to carry you, Moses. I am carrying you along. I am carrying you all the time. When you struggle in yourself, when you feel as if you're weak, when you feel as if you've got no help, when you feel as if you can't even rescue or help yourself, I want to tell you that God comes along and carries us and makes us fly, fly like the eagle. Maybe somebody should write a song about it, but that's another story. When he causes us, he carries us. Moses, I've rescued you, I've carried you, and then he says, and I brought you. I rescue, I carry, I brought. I don't know the Latin for that. I know the Latin for I came, I saw, I conquered, but we'll not go there. It says, I rescued, I delivered you, and I brought you to myself. Because God is primarily not interested, not so much interested in what He does for us, but His prime concern is having a relationship with us. It's about bringing us to Himself. God created Adam and Eve. They had an incredible relationship with God. They walked in the gardens. They talked. They communicated. They fellowshiped in the garden. They had an incredible relationship with God. And then Adam messed up. They messed up. Sin came in. They broke that fellowship and that relationship because God cannot connect with sin or it would make him unholy, so to speak. So that relationship broke. But the reality is Jesus came to change it. And he's still interested in relationship. Moses, I want to tell you, first of all, I rescued you. Then I've carried you, but I brought you to myself. The purpose was to bring you into relationship with myself. James 4 and 8, we know so well, says if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And what we actually find, if you're willing to draw near to God, you'll find a father who's even more willing to to draw near to you. The prodigal's father was running out to meet him, just waiting for the prodigal to make the step to come home. And Father God is interested in relationship. Jeremiah 31 says this, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love and with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. I've drawn you to myself. If you're in here today, you don't have a relationship with him, the greatest person you can have a relationship with is God himself through Jesus Christ. He's incredible. He's awesome. He's never, we sang about he's never failed us yet. Every relationship I have has failed in some degree at one point or other. In every relationship I've been in, I have failed in some way at times. time. Except the one with him, he's never failed me. He will never fail you. He's into a relationship. First of all, he says, you need to know my experience. You say, but then in a relationship, there's always Expectations. He says, and this is my expectation. When you look at what I've done for you, you know I've carried you, I've drawn you to myself. I want you to obey me. And here's my promise if you're obeying me, you'll become my special people. You'll be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. It's what God says to Moses. This is a message you convey to Israel, so that they can the benefits of my relationship, they just obey me. And we can look and say that's an old testament covenant. This is what Peter says in the New Testament you are my chosen people you are my royal priesthood God's saying a holy nation God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light once you were not a people but now you are the people of God you once didn't receive mercy but you now have received mercy so this is a reflection, it's a picture of God saying, I've got an old covenant relationship with you guys, Moses, and this is what, if you obey me, you'll be my special people, you'll be my special treasure, you'll get all the benefits of relationship with me. But we flip it into the New Testament, and Peter says, we are now that special people. Those who come into relationship, we are his treasure, we are his kingdom of priests, we are the holy nation, we are the people that God is building up, and listen, he still wants us to be obedient to him. God blesses obedience. We're having time today to get through the story, but God blesses obedience. I want to tell you, God is into obedience, and it's not a strict headmaster or something that's just down on you. It's a father who knows when we obey him, we enter into all the covenant blessing and relationship that he's given us in Jesus. Peter says we need to obey God. Amen. We need to obey God. And even the disciples at one point said, even the wind and waves obey him. Why should we not obey him? The wind and waves obey him. Let us obey him as well. Let us get into that relationship with him where we obey him. And when God comes into our life, our response should just be like this people here. When they say, God says, asking that we obey him. And says, and all the people responded together. Says, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. Listen, we're called to obey him. It's great to be in a relationship with him. But listen, he knows best. And if he's asking us to do something, it's for our good and for his glory. You see, you're in a relationship. Look at what, what I've done for you. It's only two things really I'm looking for you, for you obeying me and for you praising me. So he called us out of darkness so that we can declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness. And he's saying, listen, I rescued you. Think of what I've brought you from. Think of everything I've done for you. I've rescued you from Egypt. I destroyed Egypt. I've been carrying you when you couldn't carry yourself. When you were so weak you couldn't do anything. I picked you up and I've carried you and I've called you to soar in eagle's wing. I brought you into a relationship with myself. How amazing, how awesome is that? All I'm asking, I pray and just give me praise and give me honor and give me worship because I deserve the highest praise and I deserve the des- highest honor and the highest worship. But the main thrust of what I'm saying here, is is, Moses, let's have a talk. I just want to remind you of your experience of me and what I've done for you. I just want to come into a place where I just show you what your expectations from me are. Obey him, obedience, and just worship me. You see, but the reality is because I want you to have an encounter with me. I want the people to encounter me. It's not just talk about experience. It's not just my expectations. I want the people to encounter with me. Have an encounter with me. And here he instructs them, go down, prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow. Help them wash their clothes. I tell them to wash their clothes. Be sure they're ready, because in the third day, The Lord's coming down on Mount Sinai. You know, people are going to watch. No, there was a period of preparation. A couple of days to get ready. And I shared this about with some of the guys before meeting, as we met together. God's into preparation, folks. God's into preparation. And the psalmist says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. Wouldn't it be incredible if we already came in a Sunday morning all switched on and praised up okay i want to tell you it's not coincident, coincidental that you fall out with your wife on a sunday morning before you come here or your family mess you about a year around but been there okay it's because anyone knows if we came more prepared and more focused on him we'd come into their presence and something incredible would happen okay so you need to battle that on a sunday morning i know what it happens it's not coincidental you need to come prepare god's to prep preparation he really is it's amazing you know when it happens when you get surprised if you prepare when the women went to the tomb pre- with spices they prepared to worship God they get the surprise of their life to recognize he's not here he's alive you know when you come prepared to give your worship you get the biggest surprise because God does more than you can even imagine let's be people of preparation just some text God's into preparation you might not believe me Ephesians 2, 10 says this, where his workmanship created in Christ Jesus our God for good works, which he, God, has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God showed patience to make the riches of his glory, this is Romans 9, is shine brighter on those whom he shows mercy, who were prepared in advance for glory. The salvation, 1 Peter 1, 10, the salvation, was this salvation your experience was something the prophets wanted to know about this grace's message and salvation, which was prepared for you. When Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, we don't know what's going to happen, he says, don't worry, I'm leaving, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. God's into preparation, folks. God's into preparation. And the greatest one of all is in Revelation. Before you had a sin problem, God had a solution. The Bible says there was a lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. Even before you had a problem with your sin and your separation from God, God already had the answer in place. He was already prepared for any problem and any separation of sin. God is into preparation. Here, this is the thing that happened here. There. Preparation, and then on the third day, thunder roared, lightning flashed, dense cloud, long, loud blasts of a ram's horn. All the people trembled. I'm not surprised. We would have trembled as well. Moses led them from the camp to the foot, of the mountain so they could encounter god smoke everywhere the lord descended in the form of fire the whole mountain shook violently on the third day they had an encounter with the presence and the power of god like they had never had before now if i was an end time preacher i might suggest is it possible that this was early on the third day where god came down on a mountain and if we look if a day is like a thousand years then maybe early in the third millennium, Jesus is coming back down the mountain, but we're not preaching that today. That's just to make you think a bit. And if you want to know about all that kind of stuff, you need to go to Bible schools and Bible colleges and Monday nights in here for that. But the reality is God come down and they encountered God in a way they'd never encountered him before. Just imagine this is God coming, smoke, noise, come down like a fire on the mountain. But this is what I'm saying. And this is the gist of what I'm saying. And the band will come up just now and just getting ready. Before you can encounter God, it says you have to consecrate yourself and you have to wash yourself, purify yourself. What does that mean? This is what it says, the to officially make something holy and able to be used for religious ceremonies. Moses, this is what you need to do before you can have an encounter with me, before the people encounter me, There's a couple of days preparation, and this is what needs to happen. You need to make them something. You need to make them ready, holy, able to be used to meet with them, dedicated to a sacred purpose, free from sin. They need to be purified. They need to be set apart or declared holy, caused to be right or acceptable to God. Look, there's many references in Old Testament When God instructs his people to consecrate themselves, there's processes laid down under the old covenant, how they wash their clothes, there's a certain washing of their clothes and their garments, things they had to do, things they couldn't do before you became priest or into the ministry. There was a process you had to go through. And this is the gist of what I'm saying here. The third day they were encountering God. They had to prepare themselves day one, day two. But we live in the third day. We're people who live in the third day. And this is the gist of it. It's similar to Joshua's message to the people in Joshua 3:5. It says, Consecrate yourselves. Because tomorrow God's going to do amazing things amongst them. And here, Moses Living the third day is living having encounters with the living God. You need to get the people to purify themselves, to cleanse themselves, to consecrate themselves, to go through the procedure. But here is the deal. We can't do that. In our relationship with God. There's nothing we can really do to purify our ourselves. But the good news is, Jesus has already done it. First Corinthians talks about all those who are sexually immoral, idolaters, thieves, greedy drunkards, verbal abusers, swindlers, and they'll never inherit the kingdom of God. It says, and that is what some of you were, but you were washed. You are sanctified, you are made holy, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here is what it's all about. Jesus has done the day one and day two stuff for us. And we can come and live in day three. You can't come in and encounter God in the way that God wants with all his power and his presence if you're dirty and unclean. Moses, get him to get through this old covenantal process of getting ready to meet with me. But we live in the new covenantal relationship where we don't live in the having to get ready because we'll never purify ourselves enough. We'll never consecrate ourselves enough. But Jesus paid it all. And we can live in that third day experience where we can encounter the living God. We can come into his presence. What happened? The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. One person says this the earth quaked, the heavens also dropped rain in the presence of God. Sinai itself quaked at the presence of the God, the Lord God of Israel. This is a simple third day message today that's simple as this. Third day living means we can live in the presence of God and encounter the presence and power of God in our lives. Moses, I want to meet with them and I want them to see my power, my presence. I want them to have an experience of all the power and the glory that I am. And even though they couldn't go fully, because the Old Testament's only a partial revelation of what happens in the New Testament they need to be purified they need to consecrate themselves they need to, they need to get clean they need to get washed they can't come near me with their filthy garments they can't come near me and i so desperately want that relationship where they can encounter me but today we live in the third day where we can come into his presence and encounter Him. and can we stand for a moment or two if you can't stand that's not a problem but i want us to simply stand in his presence and just some encounter with a loving God. Jesus is here. God is here. He's already cleansed us. He's already paid the sacrifice. The communion table was rent. That represented that his sacrifice, his cleansing. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness all unrighteousness. We have got the beauty of not having to do the day one and two. We can have day three. Third day living is living, having an encounter with God. And I believe standing here for a cup, just for a few moments, A few moments the band will sing, but before they sing, I want us just to stand. And I'm believing that you can have an encounter with God right where you are. You can encounter his presence. You can encounter his power. Just a bit quieter there. Thank God for day one and two. And Jesus rose in day three for us to live in day three. He rose to declare, you're clean, you're righteous. I've set you apart. You can come into the presence of God. You can encounter God. And that's just for these last few moments. We can live, we can stand amazed in the presence. And I believe we can have an encounter with God. Where you are, you can encounter God. I'm just believing that God's going to meet you where you're at. God come down, the mountain shook and trembled at the power and the presence of God. Rain fell. Don't worry about days one and two, live in day three and say, Lord, thank you for cleansing. Thank you for making us right. Thank you for setting us apart. Thank you right now that we can encounter the living God. God, come, come and move amongst us. Lord, in your presence, I'm not going to say him for a moment or two, just if nobody could talk for a moment or two, just stand in his presence and Lord, move and minister your power, minister what you are to every heart and body and soul in these moments.